With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. KXNO Des Moines. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios. You'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back into the 11 o'clock hour. Busy hour at that. Momentarily, Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com is where you can read Dave. Is he on radio on Sunday mornings? Uh, Packer preview up on KFAN every Sunday morning into the 24th year for that. But read him at theheadcheese.com. Then we'll talk Cyclones, followed by the Hawkeyes with Mark Morehouse, Alex Halstead on Iowa State. Let's get our buddy Dave Sinekin in here. The curtain goes up. It's the Bears and the Packers. Dave, great to talk to you as always. I'm glad the NFL this year went away from the Super Bowl winner opening up on Thursday night. They've got the right two teams uh, to launch the 100th season of the NFL, Dave. Well, yeah, I mean, there certainly was drama when they uh, met week one last year at Lambeau. There always seems to be something crazy that happens when Bears-Packers play. It's it's a hated rivalry. I mean, I'm up in Minnesota. and Viking fans like to believe that Vikings and Packers, that's the rivalry, but uh, Packer fans, especially like me, born in Milwaukee, uh, we were born and raised to hate the Bears, and uh, there's nothing that feels better than taking down the Chicago Bears and shutting up their fans. And uh, <laughs> Tough task tonight for the Packers, but we'll see if they're up to it. Not going to happen this week. No, I'm just talking as a Bears fan. <laughs> Let, let's get into week one, and just this team as a whole, as you go through the preseason, you know, there was a lot of back and forth, and the bigger, I think, national storyline was Matt LaFleur against Aaron Rodgers, and these two guys aren't getting along. Was that a story that was overblown on the national scale throughout this preseason? Well, I think so. I guess we'll find out if things don't go real well for Green Bay and there's friction early. I, I don't think that'll be the case. I think, and I've talked about it a lot, I think Aaron Rodgers has gazed longingly uh, over the last few years at some of what these newfangled offenses are doing in L.A. and San Francisco and Kansas City. And he wanted to get some of that. Now he's got it. He's got, I think, a chip firmly on his shoulder with all the diva talk and the uncoachable talk. I think he's ready to show that he was he was primed for a new challenge, a, a new offense to sort of get in lockstep with what some of these other productive offenses are doing. So, yeah, I think it was a bit overplayed, but it's it's really easy clickbait. And uh, the fact that uh, Rodgers didn't take the field in the preseason makes things even more mysterious and you know, as a Packer fan and follower, you know, the last dozen years or so, we kind of knew what to expect from the offense. And uh, everything's been an under bubble wrap this preseason. So we have no idea what we're going to see tonight. And I think it makes for a really intriguing uh, start to the 2019 season. I think we're going to see a lot of Aaron Jones having a really good year if he can stay uh, injury-free. But, you know, I guess let's go to the, your biggest concern maybe, Dave. What what concern? Last year they you know they struggled to stop the run. Um, what What's the, your biggest concern for the Packers as we head into the 2019 season? I guess I'd say tackling. You know, need to see a lot better tackling. I thought the issue 
Uh, at safety last year was glaring. Uh, the safety play was abysmal. They've, I think, upgraded significantly with Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. But again, you don't tackle a lot in the preseason, and mm-hmm. it's hard to hit the ground running. It's been an issue with this defense last season, and with a team like Chicago with a lot of gadget plays, a lot of speed guys, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to stay in your lanes, and you've got to tackle guys and, and not allow big plays. So I'll be watching that early I'm really excited about Mike Patton's defense in year two with, with five new starters, a lot more depth, a lot more speed. Uh, I think a lot more talent, that outside linebacker with, with Matthews and Perry being replaced by Zadarius and Preston Smith. They both got big money contracts. And Zadarius Smith, the former Raven, has been the talk of the Packers defense in the preseason. I think he's ready to take a star turn this season. We'll see if it starts tonight, but I think he is going to be a real difference maker for this defense. A year ago, that opener that you mentioned, uh, it was the first half of the Bears and, and what we saw to Khalil Mack against Bulaga, who was coming off a bunch of injuries. Bulaga healthy here this offseason. For now. Is, yes. <laughs> it would have, uh, kind of a headline in its own right, just because we haven't seen that throughout. Bulaga against Mack, one of the important matchups to you this evening? It's the important matchup, mm. no doubt. I was at that game at Lambeau last year. and If you'll remember, Bulaga did struggle, but he also left the game for a while. And when he did, Matt just went to town yes. on his replacement. So I think Bulaga went healthy, and it's week one, so we think he is. <laughs> uh, he is a top five, top eight right tackle in this league, and he's a guy that's not going to need a ton of help. But he's going against you know the premier pass rusher in football, and Khalil Mack is is a great player. So it's it's the matchup. I think certainly the Packers know that they got to know where Mack is at all times, but. Um, I think a tight end might be there, you know, to, to help out when needed. But yes, if you're asking me what is the key matchup tonight, Mac Bulaga to me is number one with a bullet. Hmm. Alan Lazard, will he dress or be inactive, Dave? What do you think about Lazard, former Cyclone, was cut then put on the practice squad, injury put him back on the 53. What, uh, what are the chances we see Lazard tonight at Soldier Field actually on the field to play? I'm going to say that they don't activate him. Now, they are without Darius Shepard, their other their undrafted rookie from North Dakota State, who was maybe the surprise guy of the preseason. They really like him as a returner and a slot receiver. He's inactive with a hamstring, so that would leave them with five receivers. But I think, uh, I think that's probably enough for this mm-hmm. game. My hunch is Lazard, who was a little bit nicked up as uh, training camp and the preseason ended. My hunch is he's not activated, but I'm really glad that they put him on the 53. I thought he was the most poachable player on the Packers practice squad. I think they really like his potential. He's an injury away from having, a, I think, a significant uh, role in the receiving core, and I think he will make some plays for this team. But my hunch is tonight uh, they're comfortable with just five receivers being active. They're going to use multiple tight ends tonight. The fullback, Danny Vitale, is going to be a big part of this offense. This, this offense is going to look a whole lot different you're not going to see a lot of four-receiver sets anymore. So my hunch is Lazard is uh, not one of the guys in uniform tonight. So a year ago, it was Adrian Amos in a Bears uniform. We saw Ha-Ha Clinton Dix in a Packers. It's not a true trade, but it's kind of a safety swap here. What do you expect there, and how has Amos been as a Bears fan? I was disappointed to see him leave, and, and especially going to be disappointed seeing him in the green and gold tonight. Yeah, I, I just think it's a huge upgrade for Green Bay. I mean, Haha Clinton Dix can flash. He'll 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 pick off a pass here and there, um, and make a play that catches attention. But play in and play out, as Packer fans, we've watched over the years the amount of bad angles he takes, missed tackles uh, on a bad play. You see him looking around to blame other people. 
And I think it's telling that the Redskins, after dealing a fourth-round pick for him, uh, had no need to try to re-sign him. After they saw enough from him hmm. in the six, seven games he played in Washington. Now he's he's joining obviously a probably the most talented defense in football, and that might elevate his play a little bit. But to me, they they took a major step back from Amos to Clinton Dix, as they did from Bryce Callahan to Buster Screen at slot corner. And that's why I think tonight, as Rodgers and at most great quarterbacks look for the best matchups they can take advantage. Of I think Geronimo Allison playing the slot tonight is in line for a big game against Buster Screen, who is, uh, to me, done. I, I think that's a, a big loss for Callahan at that nickelback. I think that's a, a step back for that defense, and I think Rodgers takes advantage, and, and Allison uh, puts up some big numbers tonight. Well, help us out with the division day, because most feel it's a three-team race. You can't find anybody that wants to put the Lions into this thing, and understandably so, uh, they're the Lions after all. One of these years, right? How many years have we been saying that? But it's the Vikings, it's the Packers, and the Bears, and it certainly seems like two of these t- teams are going to punch a playoff ticket once we get to uh, January. H- how do you see it? Um, who's the odd man out? Who's the odd team out, I guess, of that three? Yeah, I, I think they're the three teams may all end up being about a game apart. I, I think they're all nine or ten win teams. Obviously, injuries and everything else can change that. But I look at the schedule, and I think you know I hate to say it, uh, being up here in the Twin Cities, but I think if the Vikings can kind of hold their own and stay in this thing, the schedule in December they play all three of their division games at home in December, and so if they're still right there, that's going to give them a huge edge, I think, to claim this thing. I. I went on record on my Saturday show on the fan at the State Fair last Saturday. I'd said the, the Vikes win a tiebreaker at 10 and 6 over the Packers at 10 and 6. I've got the Bears at 9 and 7 mm. uh, for a number of reasons. And I know they're talented, and, and it's kind of a popular take to see maybe they regress a little bit. But um, I look at the, the turnover factor last year. They picked off 27 passes. That was by far the best in the, in the NFL. That never duplicates year to year. If you look at history, they were plus 12 or plus 13 in takeaways. That's not going to happen. They played a first, a last-place schedule last year. They have a first-place schedule this year. They lost their defensive coordinator. And I'm just not a big believer in their quarterback or their place kicker, who's never kicked a, uh, you know, a field goal in the NFL. And obviously we know the disaster that position has been for them in the offseason. If it comes down to a field goal tonight, a tie game or Packers up one and Panero's out there to kick a 38-yarder. I think Bears fans won't even be able to watch. So <laughs> I, I just think for a number of reasons, Chicago has a chance to take a step back this season. It might be some wishful thinking on my part, but that's the way I've got it. Bikes and Packers reach the playoffs and the Bears are home. Hey, I got one final thing for you with the Packers, and it's the special team, something we haven't talked a lot about. You know, Ron Zook, yes, that Ron Zook, he was their special teams coordinator a year ago, and to nobody's surprise, it was an unmitigated disaster. Now, new coordinator in there. Moringa is going to take over. What are your expectations for the special teams and what we'll see? It's got to be better. Anybody coaching has got to be better than Zook. Uh, for sure. I, I am concerned tonight. <laughs> I think they've got a lot of young players. I think there's 15 undrafted players on the Packers roster. A lot of them are new to this team and they're on special teams. I think there's a lot of athletic ability, but I don't know how ready they are. They, they did not cover real well in the preseason. When you've got Tariq Cohen, Cordero Patterson, uh, special teams can really tilt this game. So I'll be watching that really closely tonight. Uh, from the specialist standpoint, with Mason Crosby back and J.K. Scott, the former Bama punter who they drafted a year ago, has had a terrific uh, summer and preseason. I think he's ready to take a step in the second year. He could become a really nice weapon 
for Green Bay, assuming they have to punt a lot. I'm hoping they don't. <laughs> um, but when it comes to coverages, I, I'm watching that closely. It's a concern of mine because they've been lousy for years, and, and this new guy is not uh, uh, was not tops on their list. They went after some pretty high-profile special teams coaches and swung and missed on them. So um, I think it is a concern. And against a team like Chicago, something that bears watching tonight. Well, 24th year view on the radio doing Packer preview. What will you do this Sunday? Will you recap or take the weekend off? Uh, we'll do a review. Yep, the, the show returns Sunday for a review of the game. I did do a podcast previewing the game tonight that anybody could find on uh, the iHeartRadio app. Just uh, search for Packer preview. And, uh, yeah, it'll be Packer review looking back at Thursday night and really much looking ahead of the 2019 season. Dave Sinekin joins us to talk Packers weekly here with Miller and Connor. Dave, you can, of course, you can read Dave at theheadcheese.com or you can uh, find the podcast uh, on the iHeart. Uh, great to talk to you, Dave. As always, we will uh, talk to you in the weeks ahead. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Yep, good to talk to you. Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com, headcheese.com uh, to read Dave's blog on the Packers. So he's got the bears out. I can see it. I have the Bears out. And you both like the Vikings. Yes. And I don't like the Packers. I don't either. I kind of like the Lions. Do you? Sneaky better than you eight think. And eight, eight, seven, eight, nine? Yeah, right that range. I can buy that. Mm. Maybe I'm just a believer in that big bearded man, Matt Patricia. <laughs> I um and the pencil behind his ear. Yeah, you know, I mean, with you, one of these years uh, that uh, that franchise is going to get pick itself up off the mat. At least you would assume. I want to watch David Montgomery. Is a bigger reason for me to watch this Absolutely. game tonight. I want to see what he can do behind an offensive line, and he'll have one in front of him. And I and I like Trubisky certainly better than you do. Kind of disappointed to hear Lazard probably is not going to. Yeah, address. I, I thought the same thing yeah. when I when I looked where he's uh, all the depth in front of him. Mm-hmm. Look, uh, good good for him getting yes. his opportunities. Dave said he's an injury away from maybe you know people around the country finding out that he does belong um, in the NFL. Alex Halstead. Speaking of Alan Lazard's school. It's Iowa State. We'll talk about those Cyclones. Next, with Alex Halstead from 24-7 Sports, Cyclone Alert. Mark Morehouse uh, on the Hawks as they get set to host Rutgers at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Miller and Condon till noon on Des Moines Sports Station. It's 11-17-14-60. Our mission. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night here on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. 23 minutes after the hour 11. We're here until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO Miller and Condon. Uh, Mark Morehouse coming up in about 15 minutes. We will preview Iowa and Rutgers with Mark right now. It's Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. He joins the program. Alex Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing good, yeah. I thought I got back into my football groove last week and now kind of back out of it with the week, but... Luckily, next week, start to get actually in the true rhythm of things. Is It'll be week after week football for Iowa State. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it is kind of a weird spot to have. Uh, and I'm guessing, you know, if you could, and maybe you did have an opportunity uh, earlier. No, you didn't have it. There was no uh, media veils this week other than the teleconference. If you, if you were given that opportunity, what do you think the team would say? Would they rather play this week knowing that, you know, maybe they didn't show as well as, as most thought that they would do against you and I? Um, do you think that would be the consensus amongst them? I think maybe the players would, but Campbell said this before they even, you know, played Saturday. He said at the end of fall camp that he likes how this is set up. Um, going back to Mount Union, this is how they've scheduled 
every single season, basically, is they play, and then the next week is a bye week. Um, he kind of gets that from, you know, Larry Karras, you know, obviously the longtime coach there at Mountain Union, who, you know, the, the old saying for coaches, and you've heard it from Campbell, but yep. I think I heard it from Matt Rule, and I've heard it from others, is the biggest growth happens week one to week mm-hmm. two. Campbell thought that this would be good to put something on film. Now they can fix that stuff. And, you know, asked him this week on Monday, you know, what they would focus on this week. And he said it'd be kind of foolish probably to start focusing on the next opponent that, you know, a lot of this week will actually be inward focused because, you know, there's a lot of things now they can correct from tape. So I think Campbell likes it for sure. I think players always want to get back on the field, though. A lot of hand-wringing from the fan base, message boards, Twitter, and, and not a full representation, certainly, of the fan base, but of conservative play calling, fourth and one opportunities, but not just that, but taking some shots down the field, making plays up the field, not a ton of that. Is that how you saw it when you're watching from the press box Saturday? Yeah, I think it, you know, it started right off the bat. You know, you get fourth and one at midfield. And yep. I think, you know, if they get that first down, maybe, you know, that drive continues and leads to points and things just don't even ever really get into that situation. Um, so I think it kind of started right off the bat, you know. And then, you know, there was that part of it. And I think the other two parts that you're seeing a lot of talk about this week is one, the downfield passing that you mentioned. They have three passes of 15 plus yards. One of those was a screen pass to Deshante Jones. So that's obviously not down the field. So really two passes down the field, one to Charlie Kohler and uh, one to Landon Akers. And so not a lot of shots down the field. And then a lot of people wondering why Brock Purdy wasn't active outside the pocket. He had one run. It was actually unofficial because it's a nine-yard touchdown right. run that gets called back from holding. So he wasn't really out of the pocket. And people are wondering, do they not want to put things on tape or are they trying to keep Purdy you know, healthy through, through a week? I guess we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. But that's probably the biggest concern that I've seen from the fan base. Hmm. I thought Skates would show more, uh, and, and potentially will. I mean, he was one of the big talkers coming out of, of fall camp that he really had a good August, apparently, and was opening some eyes. And, you know, he's going to be a guy that uh, is going to see more uh, maybe balls come his way than we would have thought prior to the month of August, uh, yet nothing. What happened to him last week? Yeah, he was out there a few times. I definitely saw him. I think you see him probably in the pictures and in in celebrating with Michael Petway in the end zone. So he, he was definitely out there. But, you know, really we didn't see him much from anyone but Deshante Jones against the tight end. Yeah. Um, and then Petway was kind of the go-to guy in, in the red zone. You look at what Petway did, and he had um, four targets, and three of them were in the end zone, two of them caught for touchdowns. So in the in the situations where they needed to score, they went to the Michael Petway. They obviously went to Deshante Jones. Um, caught 14 of 16 targets. Um, Matt Campbell said that, you know, you and I played them in a, in a way where Brock Purdy took what, you know, they gave him and checked out a lot, and I think that led to a lot of, you know, underneath throws to guys like Deshante Jones. But Joe Skates was one guy, you know, maybe thought we would see more from. And I think especially Creek Milton. He had, you know, four targets right. and just two catches, and I think he's going to have to be the guy that's the vertical threat. And so I think Skates and, and Milton are guys that it's going to be interesting to see what, what they look like in the next few weeks. Running back position doesn't feel like we learned a whole lot here. A lot of different guys touching the football. Any takeaway from you? Any guy that you thought maybe, not a step forward, but maybe inched their way towards the top of that depth chart? Yeah, I went back through and looked, and I think 27 of their 43 runs were for four four or more yards, a touchdown or a first down. So efficiency was Mm -hmm. actually pretty decent just when you look at that. Uh, But I think still a lot of opportunities to clean up. You know, there was a, a... play the second run from Brees Hall to the left side. He didn't get touched for the first time at five yards, and it was still just a five-yard run. I think that's where uh, you know we're used to seeing David Montgomery make one move, and all of a sudden that becomes a, a 10- to 15-yard run. So I think there's still things that you saw 
that were positives. Uh, you know, I think the, the offensive line blocking at times was better. You just that that I mentioned there. You know, it seemed like first contact was a little bit little bit deeper than we've seen in the last couple of years. But at the same time, I think we're so used to Montgomery being able to make some moves and make guys miss. And I think the vision is still something that those guys, you know, Johnny Lang and Brees Hall, especially, they've not played in a lot of college games. And so I think it's probably something that's just going to have to come along is, you know, making some of those moves. So mm. I think there were definitely positives, but Matt Campbell seemed a lot more um, excited and, and positive about the run blocking than the pass blocking. You know, there were a couple of critical mistakes in pass protection. You know, they, they use four running backs, and let's say Nwango's healthy, and uh, we, we don't know this, this circumstance. I think it's a shoulder, a collarbone, that area. He seemed to be clearly favoring uh, his left arm right in front of their bench when he uh, left the game and didn't come back. So Crony Lang, Nwango, and, and, and Brees Hall, and maybe Jarrell Brock is the odd man out. But eventually, at some point, they were going to have to narrow that down from four to three, I would think, and maybe you know even as many as two with that third guy getting limited carries who do you think at, at this point would be the odd man out if that would indeed was the case because Hall looked okay uh when he was in there crony was good other than the fumble Lang, Lang showed some burst and Nwongo really is a difference maker with his speed that's going to be a tough decision uh down the road yeah that's going to be the interesting thing probably through non-conference play is how they sort that out because you know going into that game it's pretty clear that Johnny Lang and Brees Hall were the guys you know for quite a while those are the two the guys they rotated those are the guys on, on the show we've talked about for weeks leading up to the season that those are the names that we've been hearing so it, it seemed like a two-man race that now has been expanded because of what Kane Nwangu did in, in his short glimpses and Sheldon Crony came in and I think had runs of 12 14 and 14 I think Crony was actually probably the least efficient you know he had those three big runs but a lot of his other runs were one two one negative one and so I think you saw a lot more from Johnny Lang and Brees Hall in that respect. But I think what, what Crony did on some of those runs and what Nwangu did on the outside, you know, maybe now against Iowa and Louisiana Monroe, we're going to see more backs, and they might have to take this to non-conference. But I think you're right. By the time they get to Big 12 play at the end of this month and you know, going into Baylor, I think you probably want to have a couple guys because you've you got to let those guys get into a rhythm and not switch every single series. Alex Halstead joining us, CycloneAlert.com. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. All right, Alex, uh, we mentioned at the top here this oddity, this bye week in week number two, the preparation that is involved with it. How about for you? You you get all excited for the football season. You're writing articles. You're going to get in the swing of things. Got to be incredibly odd here, just the way this week sets up. What are you working on over at Cyclone Alert? Yeah, it is weird because I think you start to get to the rhythm, rhythm of, you know, Teleconference Monday, press conference Tuesday, coordinators Wednesday, get ready for the game on Thursday, Friday, and then cover a game. And so you normally get into that rhythm for about 12 weeks, and this kind of sets it back. But this week's been a lot of catching up with recruits. Um, You know, they're starting to really ramp up 2020 recruiting. Sunday on September 1st was the first day that programs can start contacting juniors. And so that that part's really ramping up, so I've tried to catch up on recruiting and then uh, rewatch the game and, and all those sorts of things. So... Uh, probably start looking at some Iowa stuff. I think that's one thing. I can sit back, watch Florida State, Louisiana, Monroe, Iowa, Rutgers, and I guess see Iowa State's next couple of opponents. Absolutely. Good idea. So uh, the coaches, will they be fanning out across the state on Friday night since there's no game on Saturday to watch high school football? Yeah, that's the expectation. And that's one thing mm-hmm. I think does like about bye weeks, and they have two this year. So, you know, they'll, they'll go out this week and probably back get out again in uh, November and see different prospects. Um, you know, it sounds like probably this week they'll probably be around the state, whether you talk about someone like Hunter Deckers or, you know, some of their other prospects. But they also will probably 
get around 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 the Midwest. You know, they still have a defensive end. They probably need a defensive tackle. They need in this class a corner. Um, so it's possible also that they'll see some guys and try to make some final evaluations. Catch your breath, Cyhawks about to hit. <laughs> it's upon yeah, us. I already. I saw that line's down to three and a half. So is it down? To, in, interesting. Down. So it's dropped a half a point locally. And Trent said uh, at Riverside, it was down to a point and a half. Uh, Iowa State was only favored by one and a half of the uh, property closest to Kinnick Stadium. We will uh, talk to you next week, Alex Halstead. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com is where you can uh, find out uh, Alex's side of things, uh, part of 24-7 Sports, really, really good on recruiting. Take a time out. Mark Morehouse joins the fray next. Latest from Randy Peterson, because I guess there was a rumor buzzing around that game day was a done deal. It's coming to Ames. <laughs> I just... <clears throat> that apparently was posted at Cyclone Fanatic and actually got some run. Um, but Randy Peterson, uh, at Randy Pete on Twitter, my mm-hmm. sources at ESPN continue to say that game day in Ames is not yet a done deal either way. Right. Right. Yeah. We will know after the games this weekend. If Syracuse what beats Maryland, that, if Syracuse, they will be there. That's where you, you're, you're sticking with that? There is not a doubt right. in my mind. I See, I still think Fox and particularly FS1 play into it. I, has game day ever been in an FS1 game? They've been at Fox games. It's the but same been, entity. It's the same it's entity. It's the same entity, but if it's... Wouldn't they put the bigger game on Fox? Fox tells you it's not the biggest game. No, that's more TV so? windows. No, no. I mean, Regional what gets better interest. ratings, Fox or Fox Sports 1? Fox. By a mile. Well, it gets better ratings, ABC or ESPN. Well, okay, so that's my point. So Fox would be where you would want the Iowa-Iowa State game if it was the bigger game. Fox doesn't think it's the biggest game. They think Arizona State-Michigan State's the bigger yeah, game. Yeah, I, I think you're arguing semantics against yourself here that don't play in. Well, we'll see. Um, I don't think they're coming either. No. I, I don't. I think they're going to Syracuse. Um, and if they don't go there, now, if they're Maryland going pummels to- them. Yes. Which is a possibility. It is. Maryland looked real. Now, I don't know what they beat. How they win 79 to zip. 79 nothing. Two Big Ten teams put 79 on the board. Right. Yeah, crazy. Uh, Mark Morehouse is next. Speaking of the Big Ten, we'll talk to Mark Morehouse, Rutgers, and Iowa. Let's see what Mark's take is on that point spread. Thinks it's too high? What do you think Mark thinks? He's with Rutgers with you? No, I don't know. That's what I'm going to ask. Uh, we'll see. I think he. He's pretty high on this Iowa team. Yeah, as a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. And, and I certainly am more so after what I saw last week as well. That offense, they, um, receivers, and, and uh, Makai Sargent took a big step forward. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Mark Morehouse joins Trent and I next. Miller and Condon. It's 1135 on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Oh. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 Kicks. You know, a little breaking NFL news. Antonio Brown and Mike Mayock apparently got into a heated exchange yesterday. Mayock, remember if you've on Twitter, you might have seen Antonio Brown actually posted the letter that Mayock sent him uh, that spelled out the fine that the Raiders were leveling on the very gifted uh, receiver. Uh, that led to some sort of a blow-up. Antonio Brown is being suspended, so it sounds as though he's out Monday night when they uh, host the Denver Broncos. So 
<laughs> no surprise, it's, right? I mean, Steeler fans kind of maybe, not chuckling, but certainly uh, uh, could see that one coming. We just played Neil Young bump there. Yeah. Didn't Mark Morehouse see Neil Young this summer? Am I making that up, Mark? I saw him uh, in February. Okay. At, in Madison. And it was an acoustic show, and it was beautiful. I'd love Canadian, to see him. Canadians, one of the best Canadians there is, outside of Ken Miller. Now, Winnipeg, we're both Winnipeggers, Neil Young and myself, Mark Morehouse. How about that? Um, he, he he went a little further. Yeah, uh, just a tad. <laughs> just, just a tad. Uh, let's get into Rutgers <laughs> in Iowa. Um, you know, Mark, I watched Rutgers in UMass last week. Yes, I was the one. I'm, I'm sure I wasn't alone. Uh, I wanted to see Rutgers in advance of this game, and I'm glad I did because five minutes into it, it's UMass 14, Rutgers zip. And then very quickly after, it's 21-7. And then all of a sudden, uh, McLean Carter and those skill guys, and yes, Rutgers has some dudes. They've got a really good receiver in Melton. They've got two good running backs, Blackshear and Pacheco. Mark, I'm not saying Rutgers is going to win the football game. I'm not. I think this is going to be a football, ga- a better football game than some think. I'll leave it at that. How about you? Well, uh, you're talking about Rutgers, a team that was one eleven last year, which you know obviously comes with a you know kind of colors everything they might be this year. But uh, here's the but: uh, eleven twenty plus plays. Uh, oh, what was it? Point uh, uh, six three points per play after last year being last in the nation at point two oh six. Uh I don't know how many fifty or two fifty yard plays, two forty yard plays. So, you know I thought Rucker showed a level of explosiveness that would make any defensive coordinator nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh I thought they ran the ball. I mean how many explosive running plays did they had? I think they had two uh fifty yard runs maybe. Uh kind of kind of blew my eyes, you know, blew, uh blew my mind a little bit, but you know, I just they finished a podcast with Scott, and uh, they uh, UMass was one of the worst defenses right. in the world yep. last year. Yep. So you got to for week one is tough. I think you got to strain everything through what the competition is or isn't. Very impressed with the explosiveness. Uh, what Raheem Blackshear, the running back, nine catches out of the backfield. Uh, that's an NFL film he put up because that that kind of versatility will get you paid. Um, I think where Iowa eats this week is probably offensive line against Rutgers defensive line. I think mm-hmm. Iowa probably rushes for 250 yards. Physicality. We saw that out of that offensive line group. Even after the changes, 15 snaps in, Alaric Jackson goes down. That was one of my biggest takeaways of what we saw. And all the moving parts they had up front. Mark, it's a question we talked about a lot this offseason. The running game looking different. How different did it look to you? Mm. I thought Makai looked a lot uh Patient. He had he had a, a bit of patience in his game. I thought he his vision, his head was up. His vision was where it needed to be. Uh, last year, he came in in high school. Uh, Makai ran a the Navy flex bone, uh, so that that was one offense. And then he got to uh, Iowa Western. They ran a spread out there. Well, he gets to Iowa City. They don't do any of that. So I don't think we quite factored in the learning curve for him last year, and. That's fair. I think so. I think there was evidence that he he was getting it. I mean, if you look at his stats last year, he had 360 yards in November. He, had, he finished with 745. He clearly was getting better toward the end of the year. So, I think he's put himself in great position to maximize everything that I was going to throw at him this year. And if you look at how, I mean, it was only four or five times last week, but I Brian Ferentz used uh, Torin and Makai Sargent in the mm-hmm. backfield together. 
I think this is Iowa trying to find its its best playmakers early on because they had two tight ends go to the NFL last year. So oh, I think that's you're right. Gonna see more, you're going to see <laughs> you're going to see more running backs this year. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, they both look really good, and I'm totally with you on, on Sargent that we didn't uh, give him maybe the benefit of the doubt for the learning curve that faced him when, when he got here. Mark, uh, the shooter, Kyler Schott, uh, I'm going to talk about this kid a lot this year, I hope, because I love the story, right? He couldn't get the smile off his face. Uh, no one thought we'd be talking about Kyler Schott, the shooter, and he's got a great nickname, and uh, the walk-on, and the wrestler, and uh, there's so much to like about this kid, Mark. He's become somewhat of, I, I would think, kind of a cult hero after week number one, uh, but a really good story. Shows the, the depth on the offensive line. If you look at it, with, with the Levi Paulson moving into Eleanor Jackson's spot, that makes Levi Paulson number three tackle. Uh, when Cole Banwer gets back this week, he probably bites into Kyler Schott's playing time, mm-hmm. but uh, that would, he's probably guard number four. So there's a lot of good depth there, and I think that's something you can work with, with if you're Iowa. And especially, you know, I asked him, uh, Polisic on Media Day, you know, there's a possibility that they have two tackles and go to the NFL early, uh, a year early. So that's why I think you're seeing a lot of Iowa off of the line bodies. That, that is part of the plan. And I think you could see Kallenberger getting a lot more time this week. That said, Kyler Schott, what a great story yep. in that. Uh, here's a kid who's maybe six foot. I remember when he first started showing up and he would be among all the other offensive linemen. It, it was like somebody, it was like a ride along with the police. Uh, there's somebody in there with a notebook and not a gun, and you're like, hmm, how is this going to work? <laughs> so just that, that wrestling toughness. Anytime I get to write about that or see it, you know it. Uh, uh, talking to Worst this summer, he and Shot are really good friends. I asked uh, Tristan, could you see him doing something this year? He said, yeah, I could see him doing something this year, and then there it was in the first game. So, uh, yeah, hats off to that, that development. Another wrestler, another prep player who no one heard of, no one gave a chance to, and here he is potentially uh, uh, maybe a factor for this year, and I was offensive line. One concern that jumped out to me was defensive end and the depth behind Epines and Golston. I remembered back to that 2010 season with so much, certainly expectations coming into it, and Claiborne sucking win at the end of a lot of those losses. They lost five games in the final a couple minutes of them. Any depth that you can see stepping up here? John Wagner, local kid, Dowling Catholic, Van Volkenberg, the kid that came in from D2 uh, out in Michigan. Anything that you're seeing, or is it going to be a lot of Epines and Golson and hope for the best come fourth quarter? You know, that's a great question. They didn't do a lot of rotation. Um, when they did rotate, it felt like it was mostly on the inside. It felt like they wanted to find some time for Davion Nixon, which I know I would. Um but Trent, you're right. I mean, I, the defensive end depth. I mean, if Amani Jones is a third defensive end, well, he's a five eleven converted linebacker. That's that's not healthy. I, I think one of Valkenberg or Wagner has to elevate to number three, to where they're getting a, a consistent amount of snaps. So, uh, and I think like with the offensive line, Tim Polisek getting guys ready just in case there's an NFL uh, exodus. You know, I will probably should be looking at that on the defensive side of the ball too. So that's a concern, Trent. I, I think, uh, if I had to guess, I think Ben Valkenberg's going to get a few more looks this week. Um, they, they do need to get to number three defensive end, and if it, it if it does end up being a Monty Jones, that can work. I mean, Nate Meyer was not – he was a linebacker type in 2015, and he was one of the better players as a defensive end. So, uh, yeah, rolling the dice there a little bit. You'd like to see a little more rotation. 
And they, te- they talked about that the fact that they like eight to ten guys. Maybe we'll see more of that this week. Uh, Red Hawks couldn't run the football. They did some damage through the air. Uh, back to Rutgers, who I think is going to try and chuck it around a little bit. The secondary for Iowa, Mark. I thought Oja Moody had a decent game. But maybe some other guys, uh, not what we expected, at least at this point. Is the secondary uh, a concern at this point of the season? Yeah, it is, because the uh, two new guys, and they have to stick with them, Kayvon Merriweather, free safety, which uh, that's you're talking about the general defense. He's making calls out there for the first time. Two linebackers, two corners. He's, he's calling out coverages. He's calling out run alignment. Huge responsibilities. And last week, you know, we take a lot of stuff for, in football for granted. Last week, I think we took really the, the simple communication part for granted. And uh, Merriweather talked about how that is a big growth curve for him this week, and Phil Parker let him know that. I think D.J. Johnson made a couple of bad reads. Uh, there was one play, a sort of a tight end. Uh, Ojemudia said, hey, we saw that in practice. Uh, he should know that play. So I think Phil Parker kind of got a little bit, I don't want to say shell-shocked, but a little bit maybe nervous about what was going on with Cash. So they kind of jumped it in the second half and just played some base. It worked. Um, so is Cash ready to be unfurled like it was last year? Maybe not. So that's something you have to think about. Maybe Nick Neiman's a better option there. Maybe not. We'll see. I think that'll play out. Uh, but two, safe, two safeties being broken in, I think that caused a lot of problems. And I call on D.J. Johnson a safety and that the cash, I believe, is more of a safety position. So you're going to have problems when you have two com- new communicators in the backfield. I, I'm glad that Phil Parker stuck with them because you have to stick with your guys. You have to see what they're going to be next week. Or you're going to have a hard time recruiting those guys. Perfect in the kicking game. On the other side, one punt in the game, and it was hideous out of Michael Sleep Dalton. Didn't like those punting woes. Look like the punting woes are quite solved yet for the Hawks. Well, that was one punt. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, I like everything about Sleep Dalton so far, at least in the few times I've saw him in practice. I've seen him in practice. Um, still a new guy. Uh, the one stat that, you know, 43 yards per punt last year at Arizona State, which happens to be at elevation, uh, you know, raises your eyebrow a little bit, but it looks like he's their guy, and, hey, that's that's a change from last year. Uh, they have two punters. Uh, does Colton Rassiter get a shot if uh, Sleep Dalton struggles? I think the fact that there was only one punt last week, Trent, I think you're bearing the lead. There was only one punt last week. Yeah. Let's just go with that. Let's just go with that. <laughs> uh, Mark, last thing, uh, Big Ten West, what did you learn about the Big Ten West in week one? Uh, Wisconsin's not messing around. Mm-hmm. Uh, 49-0 down there. Purdue, Purdue's like a, a newly found chemical. You just don't quite know what to do with Is it explosive? Is it not? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it, it, you're blowing yourself up in the lab, and that's what hap- I saw at Purdue. Uh, Northwestern, I think it's seen much of that game, but it sounds like the quarterback thing is a bit of a train wreck. Yes, it is. Um, Nebraska, still Yuck. not there in defense, period. Um, I think Iowa and Wisconsin came out looking the best of the Big mm-hmm. Ten West this weekend, and I think that's how it's going to play out. Indeed. Mark Morehouse, yeah, the Gophers on uh, Thursday night they did not look good against uh, South Dakota State as well. Agreed. But South Dakota State's a pretty good football team. Uh, the offensive line for for the Gophers got, uh, well, they got beat time after time after time. Uh, speed. Week two at Fresno. Yeah, tough game. Yes. Tough game, 9.30 indeed. Uh, Mark, great stuff. We will talk to you. Cyhawk week. Thank you, Mark Morehouse. Thank you, guys. Good to talk, talk to you. Uh, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, gazette.com backslash sports. And these, we just heard that Doc and Mark just finished their podcast. It'll be posted very shortly. You'll find it good. Same places you can find our podcast if you miss any portion, all the 
Apple iTunes, Google Podcast, and on and on and on. Or for us here on the iHeartRadio uh, app, you can find all our podcasts there too on Iowa. A must listen, though a long listen for me every single week. I got a number. We were talking about that point spread at the top. Yes. For the Rutgers, Iowa? No, for Iowa State, for the Cyhawk game. Oh, yes, yes. So it's moved to three and a half at William Hill, okay. Prairie Meadows. Mm-hmm. It was one and a half at check earlier this week. Iowa State favored over at Riverside. Yes. That has now moved to a pick'em. Really? So they I, cannot get a bet on Iowa State. I, I was going to go off as the favorite, no doubt, in that game. Iowa will go off as the favorite against Iowa State. And, and Riverside. In, at Riverside. Yes, yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. I and don't if disagree. Iowa goes out and plays well this week, that point spread here will be inside of a field goal. I, I, would let, I won't argue that with you. Because of what we saw from yep, Iowa State in week one, the overreaction that mm-hmm. happens, and if Iowa plays well two weeks in a row, two and a half probably goes off, something like that. You know the budding publican. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Trent. They <laughs> it's react. a fickle crowd. It yes, is. they do. Uh, what are you going to do tonight on your Bears-Packers? Are you going to touch the game or are you just going to watch the game? I think I'm just going to watch the game. I might play around with some props and throw a couple bucks here and there. But on the, the actual a game. at Riverside. I I, I'm telling you, you have to know where you are and, in the state. And again, if you're if you're driving around the state and you just happen to pass by one of those properties, mm-hmm. go in. Yes, you know, put twenty five bucks or fifty bucks. What is the minimum to open an account? You know, I would guess, yeah, probably twenty five, fifty. I don't right, know, something like that. But right do that it. Range. Yes, yes, because you're going to get a much better odds the more you shop around and you might just have middling opportunities. Maybe just play it like that. That's all you're looking you to know do. What? And you That's hit it a great once way season. to do it. That's a great. If you're like Iowa State, head east. In Cyhawk. Yes. Pickle, you don't have to lay any points. That's Well, I'm not surprised. Uh, Murph and Eddie coming away at 2 o'clock. Then the Fanatics at 4. The Cyclone Fanatic radio show is at 6. Hawkeye Nation radio show is at 7. Uh, the morning rush starts tomorrow, and then we'll be back tomorrow with 10. Football Friday. Oh, can't wait. And, of course, high school football tomorrow night. Uh, thanks for being here. We're Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.